9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you enjoy the 9to5 Entertainment System, did you know that we publish a bonus episode called Garbage Time every time we record a 9ES? It comes out a couple days later, and it's available on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe at any level $3 or more, and you will get access to Garbage Time, even for this episode. What do we talk about in this episode? John, just kidding. John's not here. Everybody's in quarantine. We talk about how the jets are bad. We talk about how the zodiac killer code was cracked we talk about chess stuff conspiracy stuff releasing the kraken live streams the grammys and we talk about our overrated underrated favorite and least favorite christmas movies because scott and i both listen to puck soup and that's a thing that they do enjoy the show Everybody has finished. When would typing I possibly be finished typing? There's so much typing to do. <laughs> it's everything but typing. I pressed record and then Scott literally ducked out of camera. So it's like, did he go? He's back. <laughs> it's like it's like you're DMing for Keith. <laughs> uh, hey man, I've gotten a lot better about just getting up during Pat's turn. Which will inevitably be very long time. Yeah, that's not the worst. It's the, like, you start describing something, and then you interrupt with something unrelated to whatever you're describing every time. Yeah. Every time. It's so infuriating, dude. I do it at work, oh, too, man. if it makes you feel It doesn't, better. because it's, the I people think... at your work are pieces of shit that you work with, and I'm supposed to be your friend, and I'm trying to run a D&D <laughs> game, and rather than fucking listen to what I'm saying, it's like, you're in your own head. But it's not just that. It's often like I, so I was, I took a, a, a training at school, <laughs> at school, at work, <laughs> talking about, um, what was they call it? Like high context and low context cultures and how conversation is different. Uh, we operate, I, be, I believe, I can't remember the definition of each of them, but like most Western culture, I believe is low context okay. where you, it's basically just like data driven and what, stuff. What, is, where what, are you, what are we talking about here? Anything. Communication. communication. Okay. Uh, or you're, you're just like your communication is just tinted by the topic of conversation, not by who's saying it or your surroundings or whatever. Okay. Whereas like a high context culture uh, is a lot of Middle Eastern cultures and Japan, where it's like the setting and who you're speaking to, like informs the entirety of even the conversation. Huh. This and this becomes like really, really important, especially around business talk and stuff. And they were saying that there's like long pauses in high context culture are like not unusual and it's like you're not supposed to like jump in Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's how partially my brain works but often when i start talking it's because i just paused for a while and i was like my brain had not stopped going and then i'm just like continuing the thought and i fully understand that there's like a long pause there and then someone else starts talking often right as i am about to pick up so because it's not me trying to interrupt you it's me just taking a long pause from my thought no but you're actually not listening (laughs) I have never, ever, ever seen Keith take a long pause from talking. <laughs> I can go back. Twenty-nine episodes. <laughs> Two hundred and twenty-four, right. dude. Like one hundred and twenty-nine. Like up by a hundred. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know, man. I and it's it's not an NK. It's not that I'm not listening. I I have better recall of events in that game than almost every like maybe short of you anyone else. If I'm like, no, 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 that's the guy that said this and that's the guy that said that. I'm paying a lot of attention, and everyone's like, what? Oh yeah, that happens all the goddamn time. So it's not that I'm not listening. It's that I'm talking over the person like an asshole. Right. That's okay. <laughs> You're confusing. If it's not the not DM. For- when it's the DM, I, I like having been on the receiving end of that for a long time. Wow. Does it? Does it? Grind my gears. Grinds my gears. Anyway, what's going on? What are we doing? Uh, there was a uh, an SNL sketch that I wanted to tell Scott about. I just watched it and it made me laugh. And I was like, only Scott can fully appreciate this. So, are you familiar with the organization Newsmax? Yes. No, <laughs> John. So Newsmax is one of those like ultra ultra right conservative, like like just complete like makes Fox News look like totally like down the okay. middle kind of guy like like it's like absolutely the election was stolen and just like all this all crazy stuff but anyway they were just sort of like they did a newsmax spinoff called like sports max mm-hmm. <laughs> with and it was all about the jets oh, and they were like the nfl would have you believe that the jets have lost 12 games in a row and they were like who's telling you that the nfl yeah that's right the administration <laughs> like who benefits from this they just like keep going on and they were just sort of like let's take a look at this game where they played the bills let's look at the first quarter they're up three nothing game should have ended there why did we keep counting points oh man <laughs> just kept going on the jets-, the jets have lost 12 games in a row john they're the worst team in a league that once had that has a team that played a full game with no quarterbacks Wait, what? How does he? How do you play a full game with no quarterbacks? Because one of the quarterbacks gets COVID, and they have photographs of the other three quarterbacks on the team all hanging out with them without wearing masks. So they got suspended, and they had to play the game with no quarterbacks. Just another guy. Hello, <laughs> throwing the ball. Not my job. And is that team the worst team in the league? No, no. the Jets are quarterbacks and all. That's the best. But yeah, Sportsmax as a sketch cracked me up, just especially about just, just the, the, the Jets' alternative facts. How could they possibly have lost every game? They're the best team in football. It doesn't add up. But yeah, thought I'd share that with Scott. Timothy Chalamet was the guest host, and I still don't know who Timothy Chalamet is. He's going to be Paul Atreides in the Dune movie. That's, oh. that's who he is. He, he was also in uh, Call Me By Your Name, which apparently had some pretty solid critical acclaim he got and even i think nominated oh no not call me by your name something uh, he was in like a romantic drama or something and he, he's like we i looked him up i can't even remember his movies but he's been like nominated for an academy really? award he's been nominated for a golden globe yeah like for different roles even he's done stage and stuff kid is apparently a mighty talent cool but i still do not know who he is i was like watching the whole episode i was like is he a singer like he's not the musical was, guest bruce springs was it funny the musical guest he was funny, yeah. Like he was, he was fine, and he also, I think, because he's also a pretty good actor, he like committed to all the bits really well. He wasn't like a weird wooden board that occasionally happens when they just put like a flash in the pan right. on as guest host. Like he he committed to his his bits. I liked it. I approved. Uh, what else is happening, all guys? Right. Other than the, I'm going to give you some lines of dialogue. Okay, I'm oh. ready for it. 
Okay. I'm ready. I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise. Death is life. Yeah, but you need to tell us how you spelled the word With paradise again and again. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> Scott, you know what Scott? we're talking about here? Uh, I want to say Joker. Close. I mean, like a little more real world, yeah. though. There is what? No, that was a that was the real world. This is the real world. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, a, this is a quote. A real person wrote this and sent it to authorities. Right. Oh, this is this is the Zodiac's gigantic text that was that was encrypted in the 1960s that people have been trying to decrypt for like literally 50 years. That some some amateurs who run a podcast being like, we're going to catch the Zodiac, fucking decrypted the thing. The FBI... Spoilers, it wasn't us. <laughs> yeah, not us. <laughs> what a great story, though, that they they finally figured it out. They, they sent it to the FBI, and the FBI was like, yeah, yeah, that's definitely it. So the encryption was really, really intense. He used, like, six different characters to represent the letter E. Halfway, he, he cut up the thing into three different parts, and then... Drew, like wrote them down going in angles across the page so that it wasn't even it wasn't even straight and he fucked up his own encryption algorithm halfway through so they like figured out how to decrypt it got halfway through and then it all got fucked up and they're like okay hold on but what if we just change the character by one as though you made a mistake and then, and then they were able to finish doing it <laughs> cool yeah and they did it just for shits and giggles or yeah just just for the credit yeah. of, of like the, all of them have like a background in cryptography and whatever so they're like they're into it for that and they they just they felt like figuring it out meanwhile all these idiots trying to like drop codes and stuff and they're like weird podcasts and these guys are like screw off we just cracked the zodiac killers right. stuff like people trying to do like what do you call it uh like all the args and all that <laughs> stuff like yeah <laughs> like oh we cracked the code and we unlocked the thing or whatever else like that no we cracked the zodiac killers code congratulations on your ready player one thing or whatever so fun good 83 carry on Eight. 83 oh right of course i don't know what naturally if you uh, the uh, the listener will notice that once every seven episodes scott will say a number at the nine minute mark <laughs> <laughs> that number can be correlated back to a cipher that will lead you to a website That's... that will lead you to a video of us in our underpants <laughs> singing the x-men theme song. <laughs> uh, so they this of course did not reveal who the actual zodiac was to everybody's like big disappointment i read mm-hmm. on, a, on the reddit thread where they were talking about this this event some people brought up a rumor in la that the um the so it turns out the guy who was in char- the police guy who was in charge of the investigation is the guy that dirty harry was based on and there's apparently a rumor that he figured out who the Zodiac was with with like information that he wouldn't be allowed to use in the prosecution and that he just went and executed him. I mean, like, I don't want to go for like vigilante cops or whatever, especially for 2020, but that's like pretty badass. Yeah. 
yep. <laughs> if you're very sure it was the Zodiac killer. The other the other like, rumor is that I mean it's it's kind of known that he was a military guy. The the code, the level of encryption that was used was basically you're military or you're like way crazy smart. And they also had yep. a um so they found a boot print that apparently was um a kind of boot that only guys in the military have. It's like a special kind of mm-hmm. grip that you use when you're doing mechanic work up on a wing. And the uh, the other story was that they they either executed him or they like the military was like we're just going to take care of this and then the guy disappeared because they didn't want if he was like a high up military guy they didn't want the bad press yeah i mean also pretty possible and like at the time you know this was 1968 or something like that 1969 to 72 so like one fifth of the american male population had military background right vietnam was still going so but i can't imagine they were all like crypto guys no no (laughs) yeah there's not so many not too many people would do crazy crazy codes like this Mm -hmm. well that was i mean i think that that was always one of the 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 mysteries right about the zodiac killer is they're like there's only a handful of people that would be able to even do the coding properly like to make uncrackable codes that are like your suspect list gets real narrow and probably most of them known to the fbi right so the fact that it was like unsolved at the time the fbi was not the organization they are now do do you remember reading public enemy what totally incompetent fucking bungleheads they all were fair enough (laughs) but yeah but at the same time but that that was apparently always one of the big issues of like how did they not find him when there's only like a a limited pool of people that could even make an uncrackable code like you you've limited it would be like i don't know they were very busy blackmailing dr martin luther king and yeah, exactly. They had other ex- stuff going on. Execution of the Black Panthers and discrediting mm-hmm. them. It would be like if a guy was killed by like a hundred mile an hour slap shot. <laughs> You'd be like, there's like only like 10 guys who can like really do this on the planet. I don't know. I, I'm not so sure that's true. The, the, like, the other codes were cracked pretty quickly, right? Wasn't one of them done mm-hmm. like within a couple of days? Some amateur cryptographer figured it out. Yeah, uh, maybe. There was like a guy who did crossword puzzles really well. Who was like... Yeah give me a shot at it put me in coach this one was pretty good that's how they did uh bletchley park recruiting eh? with crossword puzzles Mm -hmm. they're just like we don't always need the best military minds let's get some people who look at this from the outside Hmm. speaking of like codes and all that crap did any of you any of you watch queen's gambit yet uh, I mean, it just made me, it just made me think of it like there's there's a scene in Queen's Gambit where uh, two of the players are ba- basically having a mental chess game while driving. Like they're just saying the moves like pawn to Queen's knight and all that stuff. And they're just like bang, bang, bang. And they're like, no, 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 back it up. And like they're just like going right. Like they're two grandmaster types going. And Sarah was the best. She was just like literally in the kitchen today. And she's, she said she's like 3D to F5. <laughs> Check. I was like. That is nothing. <laughs> you said nothing. All right. <laughs> like, uh, just used like, to just like just hearing the like the patter of, of the of the characters in Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. But it's love. Three D to F five. Check. I was like, I think you have to what say is the that? piece that you're moving? Like that's part of it, right? <laughs> I think the piece was the D. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Keith, you weren't there yet, but John, you might have remembered it when. Um, Kasparov was playing Big Blue, Deep, Deep Blue. Blue, the computer. Uh, they put mm-hmm. all the games in the newspaper, and Jaime and I pulled out the moves and played them out in front of us in the club one day. Mm-hmm. In in like a giant nerdy. Yeah, that's, 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 that's on the there. floor looking like, at us like, ooh, really? 
If we had to make like a top five nerdiest things we've ever done, that has to be somewhere on your list. Like that's that's way up there. I'm not worried about that, dude. Vampire were, LARP? Yeah. I, I said top five. I didn't say like I said I said it's on the list. Yeah. I'm saying like like literally reading in the newspaper the chess moves of Kasparov versus okay, the live action and Dungeons we, and Dragons weekend. Working for the live action in Dungeons Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons company. I never did. I never did that. You missed all. out. That was good times. Bafo sword mm. fighting, running around in the middle of the night, getting ambushed by people in glow in the dark skeleton costumes. Shit was not dope. sleeping. Yeah, the whole time. Not sleeping. Yeah, the only like campy LARP stuff I ever did was pretending to be a werewolf in the pit before the Lech Manor. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was really the only like overnight camping style LARP stuff. I don't know, but that Kasparov Deep Blue thing. That's a. Uh, we were working out. Yeah, we were working out. Moves were happening. We were just like. Wow. Uh, I I will say, and again, it's a recommendation to the Min- Queen's Gambit miniseries, is they do a really good job of like explaining like how it's cool and why it's cool without you needing to understand chess. Like so like Sarah's like literally played maybe a game or two in her mm-hmm. life, but they still like explain the like the skill it takes to maneuver the pieces to like trap your guy four or five moves in advance like without never like necessarily like slowing down to be like here's how chess works like they never explain the rules of chess uh, in a yeah. like in the show there already is a way to make chess uh super cool for someone who's not familiar with it it's called a nightmare chess, chess master 2000 <laughs> i was gonna say nightmare chess i have to have both decks of so no no chess master 2000 because then it animates all the pieces and they murder each other on the board it's true that's the best one, the best Chess Master 2000 animation, if I recall correctly, is absolutely the rook that becomes like a stone golem and then stomps around and like then like goes back into rook form. That's how you do it. That game is awesome. That's how you play. I don't know if you've got her <laughs> Christmas present yet, but if you haven't, Chess Master. A copy of Chess Master 2000 and a 286. <laughs> <laughs> SVGA. SVGA. Oh, SVGA. Fancy. Show her the pixels. But yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah good good show overall and the fact that like i said it can be fully engaging i feel it does that thing where a lot of sports movies are are good at that like where they explain enough about like the sport to understand why someone is real good mm-hmm. at it like moneyball kind of did that like you didn't need to understand baseball to understand how they're like like tricking out the game mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yes but if you don't understand sports i don't know how much you're gonna get out of moneyball like you have, Wait, when you I'm say like, when you don't understand sports, I mean like I would say someone who fundamentally does not understand like the concept of sport? like engaging in competition. No, I mean the business of sports, a general manager, a budget, the way that trades work, the way that management works. I mean, you can take enough of your hockey knowledge and put it into Moneyball. Or at least business knowledge. I feel that if you if you know how like businesses work and then the restraints on a business, I guess. I could see that. I mean, like, I could see if you had no concept of, like, you're like, what's a salary cap and stuff like that. I don't think like you that. needed like, any, any concept. The movie did real good at, at making that all entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like, they sort of, like, if they were like, here's a restriction and here's why we're playing within the restriction. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't it's certainly like enhanced it. by knowing yeah. sport. <laughs> but it's not, like, unwatchable without knowing sport. Speaking of baseball, the Cleveland baseball mm-hmm. team today made their announcement what are they changing it to 
They haven't said what they're changing it to, but they're saying which I thought they're going to be called the Indians. This bugs me. That bugs me. Like just that I was like, no, 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 no. The fact that they're dropping the team is the the name is like the worst. But I was like, (laughs) just to to to, um, someone pointed this out. They were like, just to really like drive home how entrenched uh, like these teams were and just like the privilege the amount of privilege at play with the management of these teams and they were like why have they not had backup names in their pocket for the last like 10 years like you knew it was coming like <laughs> you know like you've been the cleveland indians and the washington redskins forever eventually like you should have like a file folder with like you're like anyway here's our new name we the clock ran out we finally need to do this are you kidding they're like what you're you're approaching this from the perspective of people who believe that that would happen these people are are don't you know i i understand maybe the owners but like the marketing team and stuff they could be like here you know what we knew it was coming and we've market tested these names and here's our new logo and we're ready to go like the fact that they're like and now we're the washington football team with no other market test them right the second it gets out that they're considering other names that becomes news in and of itself they could there's like backdoor ways they could be like oh we're gonna launch like a our ahl affiliate team or whatever else and then like minor leagues and and, yeah. and to put that in perspective, the Seattle Kraken have their name, their logo, their coloring, all of their branding done, and they're not going to start playing hockey until 2022. True story. <laughs> they are not. But yeah, they have so, zero players, and they have all of this shit figured out. Yeah, and then these teams are just sort of like we made the we, we decided to change the name, but we don't have anything ready for. Do you a think new it's name. possible that they're like, dragging it out to to generate news and hype and whatever? Can be they don't want in and of itself. They don't want this news. No, no. There have been a lot of um, sportscasters started by the guy out of Toronto, the the head announcer for for the Blue Jays, who just refers to them as Cleveland, and has wow. for years. He's just like the Blue Jays are taking on Cleveland, Cleveland. today, and I can yep. just said I'm not going to say it anymore. So the pressure has been there for a while. It's Looking not something good for him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like I said, the pressure the pressure is absolutely not new on any of these teams. That's what I'm saying. It's just I find it so weird when they're like, "We're changing our name, but we have nothing yeah, ready." Right. <laughs> like, who could have known? Washington still takes the cake. They got so stuck <laughs> and handcuffed themselves that they just gave up and said, "We are the Washington Football Team." Well, it did, Edmonton did that as well, right? Uh, Edmonton, the Edmonton with the season, the CFL season was canceled. What That's was true. Edmonton? At the, Edmonton were the Eskimos. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And that like, and that stuck around a long time in That's Canada. That's been out for a long time. Eskimos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I knew as a kid, I remember like in, there was like a, a, it was in elementary school, I think, like probably grade five or six, where you found out like, no, yeah. that's not the for right was, word at all. I found but yeah, <laughs> 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a little bit older, but I think it was like, so what was great, like grade five or six was, I guess, like, like 94, 95. So maybe something happened in like 94, 95. Like if it was around the same yeah. time, someone, maybe like a, a public figure or whatever was like, stop this, children. <laughs> um, did you hear about the other, the other hilarious Kraken related news, Scott? <laughs> Tell me. Oh, okay. This ties into this, even this podcast. So remember how we talked about uh, Sidney Powell last week, the, the the lawyer who said that there was like illegal voting machines and like Hugo Chavez and whatever else like that involved in a Trump conspiracy. So uh, she was describing that case. She used the word Kraken to describe that case that she was investigating that like encompasses all of that. 
and then like like QAnon stuff have now uh, like grabbed on to release the Kraken as a catchphrase and are buying Seattle Kraken merch <laughs> and wearing it. <laughs> like, and the owners of the new franchise had to be, please stop. Yeah, please do not. No, no, no. <laughs> like, I saw that documentary about Pepe. And- <laughs> exactly. They're like, we're getting our, our, our logo and slogan co-opted and we're not even a hockey team for another two years. <laughs> that was a good little documentary uh, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, adorable. Feels good, man. Feels good, man. <laughs> yeah, I felt for that guy so much. <laughs> it's like Rodney Mullen without being famous, <laughs> sitting there quietly going, "Why? What did I do? What happened?" Uh, speaking of that, I think I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but the the passing of uh, Daniel Johnson. I don't know if that was email talk or if that crept into podcast mm-hmm. talk. Cause that like, cause, cause feels good, man really uh, reminded me in a lot of ways of the devil and Daniel Johnson, <laughs> just in terms of like, not, not content, but like, dude, like just a dude who was just like, not asking kind of for any of this. And just sort of along for the ride, mm-hmm. <laughs> like think- in different ways. It was his cross examination. That was too much. That was where I was like, Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So Daniel Johnson passed away last year. Talked about Daniel Johnson on Garbage Time last week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're spoiling our sweet Garbage Time content. Sweet premium content. Yeah. Yay. Back to advertisement. Uh huh. That's right. Um, I did not watch Hagazora uh, yet. I did not. I I, st- I looked it up, uh, and then I decided that I was going to watch it on my time okay. off. But it has like it has a ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Does it? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like generally favorably reviewed, but then the thing on, is, it's a, a super a... tiny indie movie, right? So the only people who've seen it are the ones who are going to be into it. Hagazora, a heathen's curse. But the quote about it that made me think: um, "This is our sweet Hagazura uh, content." Well, Hagazusa. Um, there we go. Uh, visually stunning and narratively assured. Hagazusa presents its horror as the slowest of burns. Its ambiguous, stark presentation of supernatural eventually giving way to a tangible, colorful revulsion. Yep. <laughs> oh, like, that's true. I was like, okay. Did you notice how it said the slowest of burns? That, that's what made me kind of think of you, how, how very, very slow burn it all is. Yeah, and then there was a quote where I, I took it. Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, hang on. Uh, someone someone there we go who is this dennis harvey of variety insulted me personally oh. and then i know this is why i have to watch this film because he wrote this enigmatic folktale come horror is likely to flummox or even exasperate exasperate mainstream genre fans with its sparse plotting slow pace and near impenetrable mysteries but it's a mix of the poetical repugnant and phantasmagorical that will weave a singular spell for more adventurous art house friendly viewers and so dennis harvey uh says that i'm a mainstream genre fan apparently if i don't enjoy this film and i was like get out of here dennis harvey you don't know me that's some intense gatekeeping there like a mainstream genre fan what the fuck yo yeah, exactly. And he's from, he's like, Dennis Harvey works at Variety. Like, this isn't even like Phantasmagoria or Bloody right. Disgusting or whatever else. Like, this is the writer at Variety being like, if you don't like it, you're a mainstream genre fan. Get out of here. 
Yeah. John, I want you to know that the movie that I had lined up for Keith had a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Artistic merit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I feel like that one was another one of the cheating ones where you're into like, what, what was the, the like genre of super low budget ones that you said we should just stay away from? Oh, asylum, asylum films. films. It was. It's not quite an asylum film, but it's like on the same, it's on the track to being an asylum film, you know? I think that the 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 rule of thumb, I think, to best movie ever should be that the people making it were trying to make a good yeah. movie, not just like making a pure cash grab a la asylum film, like whatever else. But that like somebody involved with the project was really be- believed in it. Like and they've even said so, like asylum has gone out and, and said that they're just trying to make cash grabs It'd and whatever. Be like, the film that grandma accidentally picks up when she hears that you like robot movies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then you pick up like like robot jacks or whatever and you're like this isn't even real robot jocks <laughs> like, this is the knockoff of robot jocks this this is a movie franchise that has made almost a billion dollars john it, made, it has made 830 million dollars okay, okay. but was like 75 percent of that the first movie because the first one was sort of funny no like a third of that was the first one hmm I feel it's like scary, movie. like scary movie six or something. There's only five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, scary. Movie so I mean, but I guess, but I guess that perhaps the scary movie might not uh, flummox or even exasperate my me as a mainstream genre fan. <laughs> Anyhow. Hey, we, we had a fun event on Saturday. Yeah, I think say, that's we, worth talking about. We did. It was local even. I mean, it was on the internet, so anyone could have tuned in, but it was locally hosted. But you think uh, of the 800 people who were there, surely the majority of them were, if not Montreal, like Quebec. Well, well they're both from Quebec City. So right. like both. Uh, so yeah, we had On Go Plug Yourself this week. We had Pascal Pilote and Simon Lacroix. Uh, hyping up the event that we attended on Saturday, which was the Total Crap Special Noel. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Total Crap, it's uh, found footage mashup style in the style of uh, Everything is Terrible. What was the other one? There was another one too. Everything is Terrible. Uh, it was something... I don't know that I ever saw another one. Is it the stuff that played at Fantasia? I thought that was Everything is Terrible. No, it wasn't the stuff that was played at Fantasia. They call it like TV Carnage or whatever? Like... Hmm. Anyway, there was another one in exactly the same genre, but tapping into that a special place because it somehow taps also into like public access, like French Canadian television as drawing a source of its power. So there is absolutely some English stuff that like pops in, like a lot of the yeah. bad movies and, and clips are all over the place. But I find that the stuff that gets you is is basically that telethon. <laughs> like <laughs> That poor guy. So throughout the entirety, they did, they did six blocks of, I guess probably about 20 minutes a block, right? Because yeah. the whole thing was over two hours. So yeah, they did six blocks of 20-minute clips. And throughout all six blocks, they keep cutting back to a telethon, which is just like one guy wearing a Christmas hat and another religious guy wearing... Uh, a big like, black smock with a huge crucifix on it. And he had I, I like a Rasputin-style beard. He was a weird-looking dude. I think he was supposed to be like um, like a monk like or whatever. Yeah. Like I think... Yeah. And, some like a, a Franciscan monk or something. I don't know, but I don't know if that was a costume or if he was actually like a man of God. I think he was actually a man of God. I got that yeah. impression. 
Yeah, it, it definitely seemed that way. <laughs> and for some reason, they just left these two in the studio without sound text. So their sound is horrible. They also have no screen or filter on the calls. So everyone just calls them in, gets immediately onto television. <laughs> <laughs> and sounds like has that super loud, like, like everything. So you can barely understand what anybody is saying. People call in and just right away start giving them tech support advice. Be like, no, no, you got to get the mic farther away from the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just goes down like the guys one of the guys is like whoa i'm on television <laughs> and then they're like hey hey i just wanted to call and wish you uh wish you all a merry christmas and they're like oh thanks like you too okay <laughs> 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 and then for some reason and the, the, inexplicably and like, like the, the saga of this is telling while you're watching mashed up of the m- most insane things in the world the the reindeer situation mm-hmm uh, Scott or John, do you want to describe what we saw a lady do to a reindeer? Which which reindeer situation? When there was like this, I guess like Swedish people or whatever, and then there was like they were gonna like skin a reindeer, and oh, then the reindeer yeah, was, that was great. So she out. she castrates a, a reindeer in the traditional style, which is with her teeth. I've seen I saw what's his face, the guy who does dirty jobs. He went and did that to sheep on uh, on dirty jobs, and and the and the like. The, supposedly the humane way to castrate these animals is to use like an elastic band on the scrotum. And then the guy that he was with is like, here, this is how you're supposed to do it. And he puts this, the elastic band around the, the, the sheep's balls and the sheep is like, and like runs around all super sad. And then he's like, here, or you can just do it this way. And he flips the sheep over, spreads his legs with his hands, bites the thing's testicles out. And then, and then the sheep just gets up and kind of walks off a little wobbly. Takes two seconds. Anyway, the chick doing it to a reindeer Boy, she did not get it done in a second or two. It took it took a bit of time there. <laughs> down there for a long time. She's You're down just like, there for a long time. <laughs> and then they just like cut immediately to porn. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, yo, we told you to not show this to your kids at the beginning. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so as all of that's going on, there's still the saga of this phone in interview. <laughs> And for some reason, that Paul guy, like Paul is the religious guy, is not mic'd up. So every time someone tries to talk to him, he has to like lean over into the other guy's mic, which and the other guy is mic'd up like with a shirt mic. So it's just like leaning into his chest. And then people make jokes about getting them to close talk. And then it keeps it keeps cutting back also to these like 70s dance shows that are Christmas dances to Quebec traditional music and people doing like tap dance and singing old traditional Quebec shanties. One of them was about a sell up. Like yep. <laughs> a lot of singing about sell ups. Just like the and it's all the same tune and there's just hours of it. Wow. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. Uh a bunch of their profits went to Dana Rue. There was like twelve bucks. Uh Walter, John, and Walter's sister and I watched it. It was fun. It was like a really I thought it was a it's absolutely the kind of thing like and they, they even they were said it when they were on uh, when they were on Go Plug Yourself. They were like, get in the chat or like watch it with people. They're like, it's not like watching it alone. Is, it's you still might be funny, but it's absolutely like a shared experience to watch yeah. it. Like like we used to throw a Keith Miss always putting on the everything is terrible. Like I'm never going to sit down and watch the everything is terrible Christmas special by myself. That's insane. I would say everything is terrible has a bit more intensity to it. Like they do screen effects and they do music i think that that goes through they worked with the sound a little bit more yeah this yeah. is and i would say that there's probably faster cuts too like a yeah. lot of the time yeah. they this is this is usually 
Well, I mean, sometimes like they kept cutting back to the, like bah, like that kind. Of, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But if it was like that for an hour, you know that. Yeah, exactly. It was a, li- a little less like bombastic than everything is terrible. Like yeah. uh, you get to kind of understand the terribleness that you're watching. So yeah, that was fun. And before that, I went to uh, another virtual event. Went to, I mean, logged in on my computer and watched. Uh, the Gorillas did Song Machine, uh, Song Machine live with the. They did like a full live performance of their newest album, and then with like, yeah, first of all, their newest album is probably either like somewhere into my like second or third favorite Gorillas album in general. I would say I like Demon Days. Then I liked their one from before that, which was the Now Now. And then I would say songs like uh, Song Machines probably in third. I would say. Anyway, uh, but one thing that was really interesting, and they've even said like there was like a an intro thing with like like not on the stream, but like if you watch like some of the stuff that they were planning, a lot of bands that are doing like live streams are actually kind of like recording them and using a bit of editing and like just kind of making, trying to put together like a pretty good package. And then it's only like live in the sense that it's only up for the like hour and a half of the Hmm. stream, which is, I mean, like I totally understand, right? Like you're like, there's so many potential flaws. If you're like, and we're talking about like a lot of small bands and stuff, right? Like, but then they were like, we're the gorillas. (laughs) We have forever money. They're like, we're actually going to do a full live stream, like of a full concert as though we're staging it. But then also since we're the gorillas, there's going to be like holograms and stuff that we're going to see like, like on our stage and you will see on filming. And then we're also going to have animation overlays. So like the cartoon people can be there as well. Cool. So I was like, there were like a lot of things could go real wrong with this, but like, we actually think we have the people to pull this off because like, and they were like, don't get like, like, we're not trying to like slam other people for doing this. Like we know our resources are significantly more than like, you know, that band you like, (laughs) they're like one of the biggest bands up, like operating right now, probably like really gorillas. Absolutely. Like think about like outside of like bands from like the sixties and like nineties and whatever, like, I don't even know. Like, there's somewhere I would say probably top ten biggest acts in the world right now. Probably, like, really, who would be bigger? Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters for sure. Rolling Stones. Like, I I, I don't know the first thing about the kind of numbers that they draw. I I mean, they they did the almost full setup at uh, like they they put in more people into the Bell Center than Tool did by like a pretty big margin. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, so. I don't know. And, and they're like, they're prolific also, right? Like there's like, you're like, you remember demon days. And then you're like, no, they've had like six albums, like, and a bunch of like weird remix stuff and whatever else. But yeah, they did. It was the, like I said, I really enjoyed the new album. So I was like kind of sold on checking them to play it. And then they played like a, like a five or six song kind of like encore of additional stuff off of the album Mm -hmm. or like in extra, like older stuff. It's like a good like hour and a half show, and also for twenty bucks, which was yep, yep. And it prices, was right? For the both of you, well, I mean, yeah, it's just the one stream. I yeah. didn't pay for two streams. There's no way to like just stop me from watching it with my wife. But yeah, twenty bucks flat, like with the nets counting charges and whatever the heck and and stuff. Like they were just like, yeah, it's whatever the charges is. The tickets are twenty dollars Canadian, so it must have probably been like fifteen American or whatever. Yeah. I enjoyed live streams. They're all you can watch now. You're talking about like 
who was what where. Um, for reasons uh, unknown, I looked up the lineups for Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. And I, done I, I was I was struck by this in 1992. This was the main lineup, like the big draws. Uh, the Chili Peppers, Ministry, Ice Cube, Soundgarden, the Jesus and Mary Chain, Pearl Jam, and Lush. Okay. On the right. side stage for 1992, you could see Rage Against the Machine, Tool, Porno for Pyros, Cypress Hill, House of Pain. Uh, you could see the Stone Temple Pilots. You could see Temple of the Dog and Luscious Jackson. Also, like, and who would subsequently go on to be like bigger acts than like half the main stage, right? That's fucking great. What a show! <laughs> Just be like, oh man, uh, Jesus and Mary Chain are playing. Let's go see what's going on over here. Oh, it's Rage Against the Machine, and then Tool is up here next. You could stick around for sale and House of Pain, and then go watch, you know, Stone Temple Pilots. It's fucking nuts. <laughs> that is weird. Did the Grammys happen or they just nominated? What nominated? I said, did the Grammys happen or were there just the nominees? I think they happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Grammys. Oh, no, I just see nominees. I don't see winners. Do anyone care? Well, all I know is that The weekend did not get uh, a nomination at all which I thought was ridiculous. And I, my, my, what I was trying to look up to was to see that if, uh, if Run the Jewels 4 was nominated for Best Hip Hop Album or not. I know they should have at least. Uh, best Rap Albums? Nope, they were not nominated in the 2020. Hmm. So Grammy Award for Best... What? This can't be right. R. Kelly is a 2020 nominee. Why are we still nominating There's R. Kelly? There's no fucking way. He's in so much trouble. Nominees 2020, King's Disease, R. Kelly. What the hell? Don't say this is a thing. Is the 13th studio album by... Okay, no, but... Well, okay, it's by Nas. Why does it say R. Kelly? Jesus, Grammys. <laughs> yeah, King's Disease is an album by Nas. That that That's much, much better than trying... Like, I want to take a screenshot of this, and I'll send it to Pat. By Pat, I mean Scott. For the... <laughs> For the album cover of this episode, Man. Kings Art. <laughs> like, if I, I ordered, I, I googled Grammy nominees, best rap album, and it, there's like the five album covers up there, and it says that Kings Disease by R. Kelly is one of the nominees. Someone just trolled the hell out of somebody, but how? I mean, maybe Google. But yeah, apparently RTJ Four is also not nominated for best rap album. Hmm. Who? Who is? Uh, Nas, D Smoke, J Electronica, Royce to Five Nine, and The Alchemist. There you go. I have heard of none of those except for Nas. Not even Lil Nas X. That was last year. I know. Did he get nominated for Best Country Album? No, he did not. But he won that on Billboard. And someone was just like, someone was just sort of like, man, they need to just like stop with the Grammys and just give awards to like the people who just like sell the most records. And I was like, they are, those exist. Those are called platinum That's called money. And platinum records. Like you sell enough records, they give you a shiny platinum record. Like Billboard does that. Like you get those automatically. You don't need the Grammys to be like, here you go. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel, I don't, under, well, not to say I don't understand, but I guess it's just, if we all kind of know we're like, okay, the Academy Awards exist 
and they like suck. There's a category for best rap performance and a category for best melodic rap performance. (laughs) Come on. Completely different people were nominated. Well, one of them is melodic. Bullshit. The best rap album is for quality albums with rapping. (laughs) That is the definition. Jesus. But yeah, that's that that's the I think that's the part that's weird is I was like, I know for a pa- like for a fact a bunch of really good movies are not gonna get nominated for Oscars, right? But yeah. I know that the movies that are nominated for Oscars are still like there's some of the best movies that came out this year, kind of like they're in that group, <laughs> you know, even if the like they don't get it all wrong. And there's very bad, very few bad movies that are nominated for like best picture, like actively bad films, right? I don't know about actively bad, but there's certainly generic like Academy bait movies that win all the goddamn time. That's true. But I guess but I and I guess I can't get my head around what that formula is for Grammys. It's so because, I find it very confusing. It's because you can watch the, the Oscars and be like, best film. I understand what they're talking about. But you cannot look at the Grammys and be like, best large jazz ensemble album. And be like, oh, I wonder who I don't know. Got That's a whole category? Is there different? Are there different jazz categories? Best Latin jazz album. Best large ensemble album. Best instrumental jazz album. Best jazz vocal album. All that best jazz. Improvised jazz solo is a Grammy award. Like... There's a Grammy for best new age album. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Who cares? No one wants this. No one wants to be part of this. They they should chill out, have like 10 awards, and then just go home. The best album. But then, like, and then doesn't it just become like the Billboard ones? Yeah, way better watch. MTV Music Awards, way better, way easier to watch. Okay. So wait, uh, do you want to know any of the nominees? Uh, rock? The rock nominees for the 2021. Yeah, uh, best Rock Performance, The Steps by Haim, Stay High by Brittany Howard, Not by Big Thief, Shamika Fiona Apple, Kyoto by Phoebe Bridges, and Daylight by Grace Potter. I've heard of Fiona Apple. Right, because she made Criminal 20 years ago. That was a good tune, though. Best Rock Album? A Hero's Death, Fontaine's DC. Oh, them. Uh, Kiwanuka by Michael Kiwanuka. Daylight by Grace Potter. Sound and Fury by Sturgill Simpson. And The New Abnormal by The Strokes. The Strokes should win. Because you've heard of them? No, because it was like my one of my favorite albums of the year. Huh. It was like a really, really good return to The Strokes. <clears throat> Uh, it was like my summer album. So wait, hang on. Best rap album. Yes, okay. So I was looking at the right ones. Best rap albums include Black Habits, D-Smoke, Alfredo, Freddie Gibbs, and The Alchemist, written testimony. We already said those ones. Best rap song. So yeah, Run the Jewels is not even nominated at all in rap, which blows my mind. And the people who make who run this award show don't... Clearly don't run the jewels. Don't listen to all the music or they just feel like run the jewels is too crass and anti-establishment to be giving awards to yeah i mean savage by megan the stallion was nominated for best rap performance she's i don't know pretty, what that means i mean she's, she's pretty crass 
Yeah, she's one of the rappers on Wet Ass Pussy, a right. song about Wet Ass Pussy. Exceptionally crash. <laughs> it's up there. But yeah, no, I just I don't I don't get it. Like when and and meanwhile, almost every other like hip hop related news outlet that I like follow or whatever is like loudly proclaiming Run the Jewels Four is probably the best rap album of the year. Like. Or, or at least bearing mention to say, like, because you're saying, like, best rap album, if you're, you might not, you don't even have to give them the award. You just need to say it's in your top five. <laughs> you know, like, the Grammys are like, nah. Ah, oh, man. Stupid Grammys. Mm-hmm. What else is happening, team? It's almost Christmas. It is almost Christmas. You wanted to talk about Christmas things, Scott. Uh, this is coming out. This is our last one to come out before Christmas, right? Yeah. Correct. Talk about movies and, and pop culture and stuff. And you and I got into it online. We were the only two people who agreed about my favorite Christmas special. LA Confidential. Christmas. The, the what? Family Christmas. Oh, yeah. That happened on Instagram. Yeah. What? John. Superior Muppet yeah. Holiday. Yeah. What is the better holiday Muppet film? Muppets Christmas Carol or Muppet Family Christmas? Are you familiar with it? I feel like the answer is Family Christmas, but I have not seen either of them in like 30 years. I mean, that's a mistake. There is a third one. Eh? There's a oh. third Muppet holiday movie, but it will never be seen again because it's the Muppets and NBC Presents. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's the one with um, David Arquette and Matthew Lillard. I think I've seen it. I just remember it being like basically a TV special. It is again. The theater. Not to say the Muppet Family Christmas was not a TV special, but it the was Muppets like... were kind of TV special. That's yeah, like exactly what they are. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Muppet Family Christmas is the best Muppets Christmas special because it's uh, expansive. Not only does it have all of the Muppets, it has all of Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock make two appearances. Because they're like they, they're underneath the house, right? Like they they rent out the house from the guy who owns the dog. Is that correct? No, the guy who owns the dog tries to rent uh, Fozzie's mom's farmhouse. There you go. The guy who owns the dog just shows up somehow, and then the Fraggles follow him. Well, no, then they go into the Fraggle tunnels accidentally. That also happened to be underneath Fozzie's mom's house. Well, the Fraggle tunnels are everywhere. It's true. And uh, you've seen yeah. it more recently than I have. I thought last last week. <laughs> it's good times. It's- I, w- I would also say, like, what like to that point, it was one of the rare holiday specials that I inexplicably remember watching as a child. Whereas normally they were like shut off pretty quickly by my Jehovah's Witness parents. Why? I feel why because it was they're, they're like celebrating a pagan holiday. You know, like we don't celebrate that. Don't get any ideas in your head, kid. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Wait, it's a pagan holiday? Christmas absolutely is a pagan holiday. That's it's like definitely well, a pagan holiday. Think about the the core the core mythology of of Jesus being born has him and lambs and shit in a manger and all of those animals are born in the spring. I'm I'm aware of that, but yeah. my childhood Christmases being spent at midnight mass in the Roman Catholic Church every single year for 18 years. The Jehovah's uh, Witnesses have been telling Catholics what for, for what, like a hundred yeah. years? 
exactly. And as a, as a child, I learned that the Catholic Church moved the birth of Christ to a convenient time around the winter solstice to help convert pagans. That's yeah, convert pagans. I feel yeah, like soul. But, but by holiday, kind of committing blasphemy by just like taking the birth of Christ and just moving it to a convenient point on the calendar. How is that to be blasphemous? Like, I don't know. I think that you're supposed to. I mean, first of all, you're not supposed to celebrate birthdays. We don't believe in birthdays either. Like, we don't celebrate another day. Like, Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate another day as the birth of Christ. They don't celebrate his birth at all. That's what uh, I'm saying. It's the pagan thing that's getting me, not the turn well, off. all the stuff of the tree and all that. That's all pagan crap. That's not Christian stuff. I know, but, like, it's definitely more about Jesus than it is about, you know, Pan. I mean... But Jesus has very little to do with the like the 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 fey guy who crawls down your chimney and the special tree that you put up and covered in lights. Like all of the accoutrements of Christmas Christmas have like nothing to do with Christianity. Just the I fact don't that- think that you can say they have nothing to do with Christianity. I think Christians have taken them over and made them have something to do with Christianity. Yeah, but as a kid who was taught that these were all pagan rituals. Right. I mean <laughs> like, like I get the midnight mass, that's not a pagan ritual, that's a Christian ritual. But like all the Christmas stuff was like, that's my mom was like, that's all pagan stuff with the trees and the thing. and the. That's what I'm taking umbrage with. I think the the notion here, the core notion here is that those rituals can't change or like the meaning oh. behind them can't be taken. But I mean, but then even also if they were Christian, they also weren't our type of Christian. So then they were still bad. Right. right. <laughs> uh, anyways, you can find it on YouTube. You can watch the Muppet Family Christmas whenever you want. But yeah, that's it. I was, but I was going to say I was allowed to watch that one for some reason. I remember it like being one of the like one of the high points of the holiday season. Was inevitably it was on television, and inevitably I would watch it because I love. Here's the important question: Were you allowed to watch Die Hard? Was I allowed to watch Die Hard? If anything's going to teach you the meaning of Christmas, it's John McClane. The one I watched the most was probably Die Hard Two. I feel that one was on TV more often. Yep. And it had but, worse, like, swearing cutoff than the, than the it, first one did by it, a while. Yeah, Mr. Falcon. Yeah. One of the greatest moments. In <laughs> Western, high point of Western civilization. At no point in time has he even, like, referred to the character as Mr. Falcon. In case, in case like, the dubbers could have maybe put a little bit of uh, effort into it. But then we would have missed out. Uh, that that reminds me also that one of the things the total crap guys were talking about is they were like some of the stuff that they find they're like if you can find like a bad movie like a bad B movie that everybody's seen there's like a pretty good chance it's been dubbed into French and then it's crazier <laughs> <laughs> you know they're like so if you're like oh man I saw this piece of trash movie or this whatever else they're like if we could find the French dub version of it they're like it's out of control <laughs> like it's, oh man. I was like, that's totally true. Yeah. Um, they had Silent Night, Deadly Night French dubs there. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they had any of the sequels, which is a little disappointing because the sequels, like for, for a bottom barrel they Christmas maybe never slasher, that's possible. That's right. possible. Yeah. So what are we saying? Are you, you wanted to do favorites and under, overrated or so you open, want, open Christmas film discussion? Do you want to just steal the puck soup? I mean, I don't have, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. But, uh, yeah, you got to think about that a little. You got, we could round type it. I would say the, the one I watched the most, the Christmas special I've watched. We'll, we'll, we'll start it off. 
doing the rules. What's what's the most overrated Christmas movie? Most overrated Christmas. Movie. Overrated. A Christmas Carol. Yeah, but which version? Yeah. There's so many Christmas Carol that film adaptations. That's a good point. That's not what I was thinking. I was thinking A Wonderful Life. Oh. It was my. It's at the number one Christmas movie of all time list for fucking everybody. And uh, I think Thirty Fourth Street's probably way more overrated. Both of them. I, I agree with John. The, there's a wonderful life is not. There's nothing there that makes it a classic, other than it. Everyone said it was a classic. Well, I don't have your money. Yeah. It's at Mary's house, John's house. I yeah. No, you don't need to watch that. You get it. It's already a, a parody of itself. Right. Uh, that's a that's a great choice. I would say Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street's also got to be up there for overrated. It's dull and boring and crappy. I disagree. I find it magical and charming. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I haven't seen it in too many years to to feel like I have a good. I feel like I saw it either last year or the year before, and I was like, "Oh, it's actually pretty charming well, and, and oddly modern." Even the you watch like the old version of it. I watched the old version. There's, um, like such a like a sad broken family that the plot centers itself around that it feels very fresh. It doesn't feel like something from, from the forties or fifties. Hmm. I was like, Oh wow. That's, you know, actually resonating. I just remember it. Uh, watching it was like eating an unsalted cracker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go with something more modern for what was uh, extremely disappointing after the amount of hype came up for it. The Polar Express. Oh, I did not see it. Tom it Hanks. It's the Tom Hanks plays. It's like Snowpiercer, but Christmas. Yes. <laughs> exactly it. And An unstopping Christmas train? An unstopping Christmas train that picks up weird ghost children and takes them to the North Pole to meet Santa. With Tom yeah. Hanks? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, like, it, but, but it's not real Tom Hanks. It was like, remember when like Beowulf came out and it's like weird, like they CG'd everything, like they did a full mocap? Yep. Like it's, it was that, it's that same tech where it's Gross. like an all the way mocapped Tom Hanks. PlayStation 2 cutscene, the movie. And yeah. it's boring, <laughs> creepy, and I hate that movie. Fuck the Polar nice. Express. Yeah. All right. What's the next category? That was fun. Underrated. Underrated. Underrated is easy. LA Confidential. Nobody underrates LA Confidential. As, as a, a Christmas movie, movie, they do, but not exactly. as a movie. Exactly. about Christmas movies. It's an underrated Christmas movie. Everybody talks about Die Hard being the like, it's actually a Christmas movie. It's mm-hmm. actually a Christmas movie and is like a very good movie. LA All Confidential. right, bitches. Get ready for this one. Eyes wide shut. Oh. That's a Christmas movie. It's all set up at Christmas. Ain't nobody talks about that in their Christmas movie lists. But does it have the themes of Christmas in it? I don't know, but it's got a weird, creepy mask orgy. <laughs> if that's not Christmas, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, could it happen at any other time? Yes. Uh, I mean, probably. Pr- that, like, Eyes Wide Shut, I would say... Like Eyes Wide Shut, I could say, yeah, exactly. I would say Die Hard is probably, like, I find LA Confidential is, like, 
the juxtaposition of everything that's happening against Christmas is like pretty like adds a lot to the film. Yeah. Like whereas like if it was like LA Confidential could be set not at Christmas, but the fact that it is at Christmas like highlights everything that's going on. I wouldn't say that is true of Eyes Wide Shut. Like I did it's not. Been a while even... since I saw it, but a lot of like when they, when he gets into the creepy stuff at the end of the movie, there's less Christmassy stuff going on. But if you remember the early scenes, like everything has Christmas lights in the background. Everywhere he's yeah, going yeah. outside is. I just remember it was winter. Yeah. Like, I also was a little disappointed. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know when it was released. If it was released properly around the holidays, but the entire like the entirety of the last season of Mr. Robot takes place literally in like the two weeks around Christmas. Like the whole season takes place in like a one or two week time period. And it's all Christmas. And I was like, I'm kind of bummed that I did not watch it around Christmas. Is the whole show done? Yep. That's the the final season. It ends well. Yeah. You underrated uh, Scott. Uh, I want to throw out a movie that came out last year. The Christmas Chronicles. Uh, it starts, There's a sequel now. There is a sequel that I haven't watched yet, but it's Kurt Russell as Santa Claus uh, getting arrested. Hysterical. Totally worth it. It's a fun adventure movie, and uh, it kind of sucked all of us into it in our house. Like, we all, n- none of us really wanted to watch it, but we put it on and we all were like, what's going on? Let's all sit down. And we all kind of like focused our attention and got the popcorn ready and watched through the whole thing. Hmm. And it's a Netflix movie. It just kind of slid onto the platform and there was no hubbub. There was no like big Tiger King make this everything for a little while about it. But it's Kurt Russell. And what's, what's I mean, it did, it did well enough to garner an immediate sequel, right? Yeah. Like this year has Christmas Chronicles 2, The Chronicler. Hmm. I, I also want to add an honorable mention to Underrated. Uh, the night before the Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, Anthony Mackie comedy, nope. like much, much, much funnier than it has any right to be. And subse- and, and also is like absolutely a Christmas movie, <laughs> like, <clears throat> like, but much, much funnier. Like, like if I were to, if I were to pick like comedy that would actually was a full feature film, it would probably be like, my favorite Christmas movie. If you had to say, what's your favorite Christmas comedy? I think I'd probably, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say, then I thought about Christmas vacation and you're like, Oh, I was just going to say that's it's (laughs) all these years later, man. I still think about that movie when I think of stupid shit happening at Christmas. Still very funny. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, night before was way better and way funnier than it had any right to be. Like it was, especially it was like 2015. So it was like, peak like crappy stoner rogan seth rogan (laughs) so like it could have it could have easily been something terrible (laughs) like those are three people you wouldn't expect to have any chemistry together well no but joe Joe, him and joe gordon levitt actually did the serious film 50 50 four years prior they were they were really good in that Hmm. and i like 50 50 as well so they i was like oh they're getting together and now they're doing the like they did the joe gordon levitt movie and now they're doing the Seth Rogen movie. <laughs> All right. So which one do you want to do first? Least favorite or favorite? I think least favorite. And on a high note. All right. John, what's your least favorite Christmas movie? Hmm. Probably Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, what? Yep. Heresy. Bland. Boring. With the music. Like, just, just, 
who cares about the little kids and their crappy voice acting? The music. I mean, even the music, I always thought was bland and kind of boring. Everything about Charlie Brown to me is just fucking lukewarm mush. Sarah and I put on the it's Charlie Brown Christmas album yeah. all the time. I don't know. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I but made, yeah. I like to watch that one every year, too. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. All right. Um, I don't know if it counts as a feature film, but uh, all of the stop motion Christmas movies that exist, like the, the old timey ones, like the Rudolphs and all that crap, like so. Nightmare Before Christmas. Are you it's putting a, that on there? The old timey ones. I was right? talking about oh. the rank ass Christmas specials. Yeah, those ones. So Sarah loves them, and she's like, "Put them on," and I was like, "Oh." Um, <laughs> on account of not having Christmas as a child, I have no soft spot for this trash. It's just boring, <laughs> bland animation <laughs> with like poor voice acting that you can't really understand because everybody's like speaking through a megaphone or whatever the hell. <laughs> and like, <laughs> just I was like, I hate them. I hate them so much. Gonna- when they come on, I immediately want to just like, I will get up and leave. Like, uh, I'm gonna call heresy on that too. Great, <laughs> but remember, I was a child without Christmas. So, yeah. <laughs> like those so movies. Had- I was yeah. actually gonna say that I love those, but like as I think about them now, probably it's gonna also fall into my Charlie Brown bland kind of boring. Only survives because of nostalgia. But Not- I did. Wa- I watched those little stop motion ones over and over and over again as a kid. Mm-hmm. You, should, you should look up the story of the edit of Rudolph. Um. Like there is a master cut that has been lost to time because it's been edited and edited by all the TV studios. Everybody was like cutting it for commercials and everything and whatever else. Yeah. So it's like, it was 29 minutes and then it was 25 minutes and then it was 22 minutes and then they found some more footage. So they bumped it back up and like the, the original version of the, the Rudolph is, is gone. It's lost to time. Oh no. All kinds of stuff that's missing. And there's like people who kazammed it who were like, I remember this scene and I'm watching it this year and where is it? And am I going crazy? Did I make it up? And then other people are like, no, it's real, but it just has been lost to time. Yeah. <clears throat> Stuff was added and taken out and hmm. split around. Uh, my least favorite Christmas movie is home alone Two: lost in New York. That movie is stupid. It is also, does, that one also does not need to be a Christmas film. It, yeah, no. And it's a waste of talent of everyone that's in it. And Donald Trump's in it. Donald Trump is in it. Tim Curry is in it. Like it's just it's just rehashed garbage. And and the first one is so good that like it's just it's it's travesty. It's a shame. Yeah, but two uh, I agree two is two is bad. Two is long. Mm-hmm. Two is also like clocks in over two hours, if I'm not mistaken. Like I remember Sarah and I put it on one year and we were yeah. like, what is this film? Why is it so long? And there's just like like and try to, and it was clearly a cash in, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like even just try to like remember what happens in Home Alone too. He goes to, to a hotel with his dad's credit card. Uh-huh. Pulls the Mater D. Uh huh. Makes friends with a homeless woman in the park who feeds pigeons. Uh huh. And the wet bandits try to kill him. Right. They don't just try to rob his house. They chase him down New York and try to murder him. Yeah, it's like a vengeance thing for them at that point. Yeah. It's uh, it sucks. It's awful. I hate that movie. I I would tend to agree with you. Yeah, a full hundred and twenty minute runtime on that on that business. No one needs that for two hours. Yeah, watch it's... the first one twice. 
if you need that much more Kevin McAllister. What the Home Alone tip? Oh god, did they start filming it immediately? They must have. Holy crap! Yeah, I don't know. I did not enjoy Home Alone two. Home Alone one, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's like the the Kevin Smith joke, like deal with the devil to make that movie, but it paid off. Mm-hmm. What was the devil? Uh, the muse was talking about it. How she uh, inspired the top. 19 of the top 20 movies of all time in, in the box office take. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Dogma. <laughs> Except for Home Alone. Except for Home Alone. She's like, that was the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone nods knowingly. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. John Hughes is the devil? <laughs> John Hughes made a deal with the devil. Right. Which is great, because like, there's... Cause Smith has so much reverence for John Hughes, right? Like, he just, like, basically apes John Hughes and then puts dick jokes in there. I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> kind I, of the Kevin Smith brand. Yep. Pot, post-pot, doesn't matter. That's It's true to life. <laughs> All right, favorite Christmas movies? Hmm. So, I have, like, a... Like, two-way, weird way of approaching it. Because like the Christmas movie I've watched the most is absolutely like hands down Nightmare Before Christmas. Like I have watched that movie a lot, <laughs> and like and since it came out a lot, and I will and I'm also people are like, is it a Halloween movie or Christmas? It's 100 a Christmas movie. Like Halloween, uh, like has the opening song, <laughs> and then it's over. Like Halloween is the first five minutes of the movie. The rest of the movie is the build up to Christmas and then Christmas Eve. It's a Christmas movie. It is not a Halloween movie. Anyone who says otherwise is dumb. Uh, and then, yeah. Because it's got the name of one of the holidays in the title. Yeah, exactly. Part of a giveaway. But people who say it's a Halloween movie, I'm like, it's absolutely not. <laughs> like, it is the characters of Halloween trying to take over Christmas. You it's because you're dressing up like Jack Skellington in December. Yeah, well, you should, is if what I'm saying. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely the Christmas movie I've seen the most. Christmas Vacation, though, is like a hard, like it's hard to pass on Christmas Vacation. It's it's hard not to say Christmas Vacation. I have so many fond family memories of watching that movie. My dad was like super big into the Chevy Chase comedy. So that was like a often rented at the Lackman household. Did I tell you that it was either like last or the Christmas before that like Sarah's father saw Christmas Vacation for the first time somehow? Or or had just was had first time he thought maybe sober I don't know but like even like Sarah and Sarah's brother were like Dad like how have you not seen this but her dad was like dying like 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 we need to be careful because he's like wheezing he is like laughing outrageously at everything that's happening and I was like wow imagine being like in your sixties and seeing Christmas Vacation with fresh eyes for the first time. <laughs> Like, it's so lucky you know <laughs> like what an amazing time for him and he was just like it was if he had wa- he watched it and was like dying and then it was like the next day like the they watched it like christmas eve and apparently and then he was like put it on put it on and like put it on again <laughs> like christmas day and everyone's like and he's like have you guys seen this and he's like the squirrel and like whatever else and we're like yeah everybody's seen this johnny like, <laughs> like I was like, I was raised without Christmas and I've seen this movie like a hundred times. <laughs> like, it's very, very funny. And it's like also, I think it hits the right mark 
John, to your point of like actual comedy and nostalgia is like, yeah, kind of smashed in there. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm I'm going with another very recent movie. A very Murray Christmas is my favorite Christmas movie. Really? Yeah. There's something about it that just speaks to my soul. The weird slow paceness of it. Yep. The isolation, <laughs> the like inherent loneliness that permeates that movie, but without, um, there's no despair in it, and I love that feeling of that movie yeah like people that are alone they're not sad yeah <laughs> they're they're aware that this is what what they're doing is different and they're dealing with it because they still like the holiday and i dig it so much phoenix is the the band in the bar right i want to say um maybe the french band phoenix Maybe, maybe uh, they maybe do something with Rashida Jones. Maybe. Yeah, but also the guy from Guys and Dolls is there. So, hmm. Huh. I liked a very Merry Christmas. It was, but it is it is easily something you just kind of put on, almost like a fireplace, uh, like one of those like recorded fireplace things, <laughs> where you're just putting it on for the background. Uh, a very Merry Christmas is like to me like a plus holiday background watching. I I I dig that. I make a point of watch it every year very nice yeah sarah and i started watching the uh, the bbc fx co-production of a christmas carol starring guy pierce i think we talked about that last week we actually yeah i dig it i'm digging it? it a lot actually we, we just finished part one of it it's a three part what's there thing. to dig about it um it presents scrooge as a lot more um not necessarily like likable <laughs> But like you can kind of you can you can they spend a lot more time explaining like why he is the way he is, you know, and like he absolutely comes off like a scum. But like you can kind of see like there's like a long like a long build in the beginning where he's like keeping Cratchit late. Right. And like not letting him go home for Christmas. But like you can kind of see in the play of it and the way like Guy Pierce is like kind of running with it that it's like he just kind of doesn't want to be alone. So like absolutely he's being the shittiest boss and like giving him weird mindless work. But then he's just sort of like explain and then like explaining to Cratchit all this stuff. And like you can almost see that like even though Cratchit clearly hates Scrooge, you can see in the playing that you're like, oh, this is the only person Scrooge talks to. Like he's such a miserable piece of trash. Like he's not just played as a villain. He's played as like almost a pathetic villain of you're like the old the like the real reason he's keeping this guy around is that this guy has nobody in his life anymore because Marley died. Right. Like, you know, like his one friend who was also a trash person is dead. And now he just kind of has this guy and stuff. So like, like maybe not sympathetic cause he still played real, real rough, but like understandable is why I'm enjoying it. And then a lot of the, the visuals and stuff, they also kind of like lean into the, like into almost certainly the, like, like Dickensian is usually not a happy person like used to describe happy situations and stuff. Nope. So like Christmas Carol being like Dickensian with like an old, like the, the spirit, like dragging like Marley through the snow and all that stuff. Like while there's like the smokestacks in the background and all that, like it looked, that crap looks good and has rarely been part of the visuals of a Christmas Carol. <laughs> like, like really like leaning into like the dark fantasy 
stuff that like is kind of not it's not a stretch right it's not like we did a gritty reboot on christmas carol i was like that stuff's all in dickens like, yep. like yep. So it's all right there you just is it on youtube not uh, YouTube, uh, Netflix. Nope, I don't think it's on Netflix. We were watching it on Hulu. I don't know right. what uh, what it, if, what it would be available on in Canada, but it was a BBC co-production, so like maybe it must have might have popped up somewhere. Oh, so far so good though. I enjoy it. I'm I'm doing it as a what do you call it? Watching for our D and D game. Mm, yeah, <laughs> we're doing a Christmas Carol D and D game, Scott. Really? Yep. There's a was a, there was a five e one shot that got released, and it was like it's a, like a fan made thing that was like like what like ten bucks or whatever. We were like, I think I was it was like kickstarted a, or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it mm. was like if it's any kind of good, I was like we should play it. And then Eric ponied up for it. We were gonna chip in for it. Then he was like, no, it's my it's my holiday time gift giving to the to the group. And he said it's not bad. Like I was uh, I was talking to him on the side the other day, and he's like he's like it's not. He's like, it's absolutely not necessarily going to be like the greatest thing ever, but he's like, it sticks to the themes. It has the right like window dressing, and it's like a competent one shot. <laughs> like, yeah, which, yeah, it'll be a fun, goofy one shot. Uh, do you want to send your season's greetings to the uh, to the ninety s listeners, everybody? Season's greetings, ninety s listeners. Hey, hey, it's been a rough year, and <laughs> not everyone can get to see people that you're with or want to see or you know spend the holidays with so um order some rotisserie chicken and voice call your family and then listen to our back catalog because hey we, i bet you we have other christmas episodes and even if you don't want to think about christmas listen to our 2019 summer episodes <laughs> we're just gonna prattle on mindlessly for an hour so I accidentally pressed play on I think August 2019 90s and I was just like while well, I was like walking the dog <laughs> I just listened to us for like 40 minutes and I was like that was great <laughs> was it <laughs> what? Were, we, were we on yeah we were like we're pretty on I do I do feel but it did make me very um like bummed bummed that we're doing it online like i feel there's there's an energy and a snappiness that we have in person that we are missing on some of these online episodes i think we're doing the best we can yeah and i think that's that's i mean like that's all we can really say about that but yeah it did it did make me a little sad from like getting together in person because i feel we're a little we're a little quicker and snappier there's a body language thing you don't quite catch over the cameras like this and there's also like you know a hundred milliseconds or whatever of lag between every one of us finishing speaking and then the other people knowing when to hop in and that adds yeah. up Yep. But either way, those episodes, like I was literally just listened to my, like, listen to myself. Like, listen to us. We were talking. It was like post Oshiaga, whatever. And we were just like, just shooting the shit. And I listened to pretty much the whole episode after Oshiaga while I was walking the dog. And I was like, I would listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of us would. <laughs> I've listened to us. Yeah. yeah. This is a good show. Congratulate yourself, listener. You, you made good podcasting choices. Uh, that was the 90s, everybody. Happy holidays. Stay home. Listen, man, we all know that you pressed stop on your podcast player like 
30 seconds ago as soon as you heard the outro music and the only reason you're possibly listening to this is because you're like jogging or something and your phone is in your pocket and you can't stop me from talking uh i'll keep this short and sweet uh we put in a lot of work on this website uh if you do want to support us financially we're kind of reworking the whole structure over there but if you do want to support us financially you can head to patreon.com slash nine to five cc um and if you don't want to support us financially maybe you could just tell your friends about the show and if you don't want to support us at all i don't even know how you're possibly listening to this at the end of that episode Bye. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.